Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Because we are in full effect here on the edge. Oops. <laughs> we upside. are on the edge. <laughs> upside down. Let me get that straight for you. How about that? <laughs> Brains, we are at the location at your favorite spot, the place where the conversations are pointed and the guests are sharp. The responses are never dull. Today, we are in the United Kingdom. We go all over the world to find the biggest and the brightest stars. We have Dr. Annette Greenwood. This woman has overcome adversity and now she is an accomplished author and coach. Dr. Greenwood grew up very modest and humble beginnings, pegging sugar. We're gonna talk about that a little bit. She's overcome domestic violence. She's found empowerment over depression and suicide attempts. She formerly worked with women in the correctional facility and prison system. I want to talk to her about that. There's such a stigma when it comes to women in prison and how to help them. She's written an amazing book. We're going to maybe get her to read a little excerpt uh, from Imprisoned Heart. And uh, also, she's an award winner. Let's welcome her to the edge, Dr. Annette Greenwood. How are you? I'm very well and very excited to be here with you, April, and sharing this space from here in the very snowy and cold United Kingdom. It's snowy and cold there? Well, it's nice and sunny and warm. Maybe you need to pack your suitcase and come visit us here in Southern California for a minute. Oh, maybe I do. I'd love to have you. I'd love to have you. Share with my brains a little bit about how you show up in the world. Well, it depends how you mean about how I show up in the world, but I show up in the world as a now a very um, confident and empowered woman who has triumphed over many adversities in my life. And I like to share with other women and people who want to know how they can be empowered in their life and overcome their own adversities. So I like to show up as somebody who's positive and, and energetic. And beautiful, because you have a oh, wonderful, thank you. Smile, wonderful, wonderful heart, wonderful smile. For those of you listening, I wish you could see it. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you to define, go a little deeper. What do you mean by empowerment? You know, empowerment to me, I like to ask people because, again, it is subjective. It's different for everyone. What gives you the pixie dust to sprinkle upon others that allows them to really do the deep dive and empower themselves. Empowerment for me then is probably different for every woman, isn't it? And how they perceive it. And it's not about, I'm out there being a bra burner. Do you know what I mean by a bra burner? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not out there being a bra burner saying, oh, men are awful and we need to be doing this. And all. nothing like that is very much about working on your inner self about giving you the confidence to make the changes in your own life, to make choices and decisions that serve you better. Coming from a place of 
maybe lack of confidence, but giving you the confidence to feel, actually, I can do this. And we all have fears in our lives, don't we? Whether they are real, imaginary or otherwise. So being able to kind of overcome those and take the steps that you want to take to make your life better. Now, you say all of these wonderful, powerful, strong adjectives about what empowerment is. And I'd like for you really quickly to speak to the woman that is dealing with the imposter syndrome, that she uh, is full of herself, that she is trying to be more to everyone than who she is authentically to herself. What type of empowerment would you suggest for that type of personality? So I would say, first of all, I think most women of being in that situation haven't they where you try to be all things to all people and you are you know you're doing your job you're doing this you're doing that and you want to be you want to be the perfect woman and I work with women who think they are super women and they end up in a very bad place because they are trying to be the best mother the best wife the best sister the best employee the best business owner and, and I'm all for things like being the best person you can be, but not at the risk of your health and well-being. And so I always come back to this place of authenticity about come back to who you really are. Come back to your roots. Why do you want to be? Why do you want to be somebody you don't have to be? April, you can be the best person, the best host in the world. But it doesn't mean to say you've got to sacrifice your mental health, your well-being and everything else going on in your life. I just want women to come back to who they are and be their authentic self, whatever that might be for them. Please don't try to force yourself to be something you don't need to be. Exactly, because that is going to be your detriment. Mm. It's going to be your downfall. You came from very humble beginnings, packing sugar. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> so for my, excuse me, giggling. So for my sins, I worked for nearly 20 years in a factory, which was male dominated. And so for me, it, that was a very challenging time. It was back in the 80s where men ruled the world in, in that particular environment. So women were second class citizens. And, it, it, you know, when you, we're thinking it's only 20, 30 years ago, it's not even that. Right. It was that's very, not that long ago. That's still within our yeah. lives. Absolutely. And it was it was all very male dominated. And, you know, women were the second class people. We were the ones that did all the work, the packing the sugar, the shoveling the sugar off the floor. Mm. And if it was we were working shifts, so from six on the morning till two in the afternoon, two till ten or night shifts, ten in oh. the morning, ten on the night till six in the morning. And sometimes you'd be working 12 or 15 hours. It was really physical, hard work, really hard work. And inside me all the time, there was a better me wanting to come out. There was, I was like, God, is this, is this what it is? There must be more to life than this. And I always had this desire to change my life and do better. And one of the things about being in that, in that, within that factory environment it made me really, um, do you know what I mean by feisty? I've probably uh, got different. Uh, yes. yes, I do know. It made me feisty. I was like, what? You can't talk to me like that just because I'm a woman. And that kind of helped to uh, 
form my character, if you like, that that right. feistiness who wasn't prepared to stand there and just take any old bleep bleep that you put my way. Absolutely. And I get it. But how did you fall into, you know, being feisty, being uh, outspoken, uh, doing the physical labor? How did you fall into a, a, a state of depression and attempt suicide? So um, I'd been there nearly 20 years, as I said, and then all of a sudden they decided to close the place that I work. So back then I wasn't as evolved and had worked on myself as I have now. And um, when they announced they were closing it, that my God, what was I going to do? That was my whole life. That's all I knew. I'd worked there for all this time. So that was a big life change for me. That there was that, and then my husband, um, he was headhunted with his job, and we moved to a different area. So that was another massive change that I I wasn't anticipating or expecting, and I felt I felt pretty worthless if I was honest because I wasn't working or doing the what I deemed as contributing to the house, um, and my my mental health started to deteriorate. Um, I was going into the menopause as well. So it was oh, a few Lord, that's enough. Just that you could just stop and put a period right there because that menopause will take you through something. Oh wow, it takes oh. you through some stuff, as you say. And that the thing is that too, just like when girls start their mincy, it's a rite of passage. Oh yeah. It, you you just don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. You hear things, you read about things and it, you know, certain people say certain things, but uh, I guess I wasn't expecting such a change. And it was very difficult for me because we hadn't got children of our own. Um, and at that point, when I started to go into the menopause, I knew that was it. Mm. That was at that time, there wasn't things like IVF for women in the 40s, whereas now there's all sorts of things available, isn't there? Right. right. Then the water. You know what? They're surrogating. They're saying, here, take his sperm, take my egg, and let her carry it. You know, that's wow. Exactly. It just wasn't there, April. It wasn't. And I, for me, it signaled the end of something. And I really, it really hit me hard. And I wasn't able wow. to deal with it. So that was just another thing. And I just started to plummet downhill, downhill. And I got really depressed. Um, and I went to see my GP and he said, well, you know, you just need to look upwards and outwards. <laughs> what does that mean? What, what I, I, see you say, I see you say he. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was, he was saying, you know, in the menopause, you just kind of just need to sit there and get on with it. Oh, this is amazing. This is exactly the kind of, this is the kind of coaching that I need when I'm already at rock bottom. Right. And, and just, they don't realize that there's a menopause too. Oh yes, men oh go, yeah, men go through a midlife crisis, and it's not just the hot chick in the sports car. There's a whole uh, lot. There's a whole lot that goes on mentally and physically with yeah. him too as he goes through his change of life. So don't be so snarky, male brains. Uh, when you're, because my, yeah. my brother tormented me. Oh, he would laugh. Oh, here, would you like my handkerchief? Because you're sweating. And this, he thought that it was the funniest thing. But, you know, when I came out of my skin on him, 
you know, because it will really turn you from a flicker to a flame. Every aspect of your body changes, mental, physical, emotional, your hair, your look, your weight, everything about you changes, but you are taking everything that you have, everything that you've been through, all your struggles, all your strikes, but you've overcome and adapt. You pour that into other women and started working with women in the prison system. How did you find that? Or how did it find you? It found me because people, um, I'd set up pr projects in the, within the community for people who were isolated. So I was doing all that kind of work. And I had a phone call one day from somebody who said, oh, we've heard about your work in the community. We know you're a life coach. Would you be interested in working in um in a women's prison would you be interested in coaching women and I thought oh this sounds really interesting because so many life coaches I guess April they've gone to work with celebrities and I I I could have done that or you know people in business where I could have been earning a lot of money and I decided not to do that because I thought when I was in a bad place in a really dark place in my life there was nothing nobody there to reach out and tell me how I could make things better and I wanted to give something back so my way of doing that was giving back to women who may have been in the same situation of me who may have been in a relationship that was initially domestic violence my first marriage and who've just taken a wrong turn in life so I I actually jumped at the opportunity I embraced it because I wanted to to make a difference and it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life yeah um there's such a stigma around women period if you're yeah. on alcohol if you're on drugs if you don't bond with your child uh if you are incarcerated to redeem yourself to mm. go back and then the recidivism i can never say that word recidivism where they go back to prison yeah uh, that's very provident because they go back to the same environment. They don't have yeah. support. They don't have money. They're separated from their children or their children don't recognize who they are or they judge them and they don't want to be associated. It's a lot going on with those women. So through all of your experience, now how long did you work within that prison system? I worked within the prison system, probation services and the whole community thing for for 15 years, but 10 of those were spent working with offenders and ex-offenders. Wow. You gathered a lot of data. You had a lot of experience. You heard a lot of stories. You wiped many tears. Mm. But there was also some joy uh, because you got to see individuals reinvent themselves and take what you had poured into them. But you poured it into the pages of a book. Tell us about your book. And we want to see a copy. Where is it at? It's hanging about here. It's there. Put it to the side so we can see your pretty face in it as well. Oh. You see that there? Got it, got it, got it. Right. It's really, oh. right? Yeah. All right. And so then Dr. Annette Greenwood. Tell us, Dr. Greenwood, what is in the pages of that book? In the pages of this book is a journey of a woman who has gone to prison wrongly accused because she's been set up by her lover mm. who is actually a really bad man i mm. won't say anything i won't say any swear words on air april so he's a really bad man well I, you know what that's okay that gives it texture <laughs> <laughs> so she has gone to prison 
Wow. I'm going to tell you guys a funny, well, not a funny story, but how women can get caught up very easily after mm -hmm. you share an excerpt. Would you do a, a little reading for us? Yeah, let me see. Let me just find a little bit where... Maybe this, where, where Katrina, the main character, she's actually in the back of the police van, not the, well, the prison van, so they take them to prison in a, in a proper van, all, all locked, locked up and secured. And she's just come out of court. And she's, you know, now been told she's going to prison and she's kind of still in shock. And I think this kind of sets the scene of what's going on in her heart, because it says here... Early evening was drawing in on a bitterly cold day in February. Icy winds blew, bending bare branches on the trees, pushing forward heavy clouds that bore the threat of snow on an already murky evening. Katrina Sanderson was being driven towards the prison gates. They opened and the white vehicle passes through. One of the passengers looked up at the tops of the gates in dread and awe. The van slowed to a standstill. The weather mirrored the turmoil of her icy fear that clutched at Katrina's heart as she stepped out. She half stumbled and was in danger of falling, but before she overbalanced, a strong hand steadied her and pushed her back to her feet. She looked up and came face to face with an officer of the establishment, commonly known as a uniform, to those less familiar with the hard end of the legal system. The uniform was stern, immovable, and Katrina couldn't meet her gaze. She blinked, her eyes open, straining against the natural limited light. The handcuffs were removed from the wrist of the officer who had accompanied Katrina in silence for the journey, and she was transferred to the officer standing before her. And I'll just read this little last paragraph. Come on, Sanderson. Time to go, said the officer with practised patience. Her body, her body language told a different story and she ushered Katrina away from the vehicle towards the building, nudging her along faster than she was used to. Katrina took a final look at the turbulent sky, her breath clouding in the freezing air. And then she actually goes inside the prison gates and the door closes behind you. And that is a moment of absolute fear. It's shattering, earth shattering, just thinking about it because you're there in the unfamiliar uh, and you know that it is not going to be pleasant. Mm -mm. So a situation that I got myself into, unknowingly, women, you have to be at your uh, on your, your best game. Yeah. Your wit, you can't be at your wit's end. I am working at a company, very high profile company, and I'm dressing like, you know, $9 million. And the guys downstairs in the warehouse are so nice. They get all my packages out and, you know, get all my shipping and my tracking. I tell the gentleman, I'm going to take you guys to lunch. They said, okay, Miss April, we'll drive. I had on my red bottoms that day. I was not going to scuff those girls up. I get in this gentleman's car. I look around and I can tell he has been doing the most. There was condom wrappers. There was zigzags. There was a crown royal bag in there. The seats were all dirty. And it seemed like him... And the other co-worker that was with us, composure changed as we shut the door. And I looked at the gentleman. And I said, oh, my goodness. I said, you've been doing the most in this vehicle. And they go, uh, 
yeah, we're doing even more than that. And we just want to let you know, Miss April, that if the police stop us, that the drugs and the gun in the trunk are yours. <sighs> what? Yeah, I was in the car with full-on criminals. Well, needless to say, I did not get in the car when we got back. I walked back, scuffed up my shoes, but two weeks later, the FBI came in because they were trafficking those drugs, guns, and money through the mailroom at the company we worked for. <gasps> so see how easily you can get caught up in a situation? Uh, and what could I tell my husband? Number one, what was I doing in the car with them? There would just be no logical explanation for that. Mm -hmm. Women get themselves in these situations because they're, I, now I wasn't in love, but they're in love with him. And I'll take the fall for you. And they won't be so hard on a woman. Let me tell you, prison is awful sauce. Mm -hmm. I went uh, to support the women here in Las Colinas prison. And they could not get sanitation. Basic sanitation. I thought that was a basic right. Yeah. They weren't allowed. I had friends at Procter & Gamble call them. They sent me cases of feminine hygiene. I sent it to the prison. Do you know the prison returned it? No. They returned it. They want them to work for it and get it out of their commissary. Those are just little uh, examples. We're not talking about being violated, not only maybe by the guards, but by your cellmates, other people getting you know, manipulated. But there's a mindset because you learn how to live in this survival mode. And then you have to transfer that out to livable uh skills when you get out in the community what would you say to a woman that's in transition right now you know she's right she's right there she's saying you know what let me just sell this little last bag of heroin and maybe i won't have to do it anymore or you know let me uh drive the car while he runs into this convenience store and sticks it up uh, we can get away what would you say to the woman that's just hanging in the balance there dr greenwood i would say to her Think about the consequences of what's going to happen. Because I've seen this so many times, April, where women have been in prison and they've been caught with the goods, just like you're talking about. And they've taken the fall and the guy's got away with it. And they, the judge has made an example of the woman and said, you should have known better. I don't know why she should have known better, but she should have known better. And you are going to prison for a very long time. And there are so many stigmas, as you said earlier, April, with being in prison, being a woman, then coming on the outside, trying to get your life back together. Your children have been taken off you. You've lost your home. You might have lost a job that you had. And the money that you made on the drugs has been taken away. It's in a, When you're in that moment, all you can see is the adrenaline's going, isn't it? I've got to get do what I'm supposed to be doing with these drugs. Just don't go there. Because at the end of it, in another five years' time, when you've come outside from being in there, your life's pretty trashed and you're going to have to start again. And, and you're it ain't easy. You're traumatized. Yeah. I had a, a dear friend of mine who went to jail because she was being beaten by her mm -hmm. husband and she just couldn't take it anymore and she just snapped. And she went to jail for that, but she couldn't get a protective order enforced 
to keep him away from her. So there's trauma. There's deep trauma. And she, much like you, are working with women in the system. But she did it more as a uh, cathartic psychological uh, outreach for herself and others. And she seems to be forging ahead. So what do you tell the woman that is out there that has been through all of this? How do you keep her encouraged to do the right thing, Dr. Greenwood? So when I when I saw what was going on, that women were coming out of the prison and then going back in again, six months later, 12 months later, I created a project specifically for women to get support. And that support was education. It was mentoring. It was all the skills that they needed, life skills. I would do the coaching and I would have mentors to support me. There are so many things out there now, April. There's lots more in the UK than there used to be where the support women who are coming out. Because when you come out, you just you go out of those prison gates, the door closes, they give you £15. I don't know what that is in dollars. They give you £15 and you're supposed to find your way out with your way home wherever home is or you might be transferred to a hostel within that hostel there's going to be people in there who are doing drugs there's going to be people who have got long criminal records you want to be out of there as soon as you can hook up with the with charities and i'm, I'm sure you've got them there in the states but hook up with charities that are willing to support you and Clear your mind off where you've been, which is difficult, I know, but get the right support so you can start to move forward and piece your life back together one little bit at a time because it won't happen overnight, but it can and will happen if you stay determined, stay focused and don't give up. Just get the right support. That is massive for me, getting the right support. Getting the right support. And a lot of times it's not family. Um, no, because you're going back to that same cycle or you're going back to judgment, criticism, you mm. know, oh, you were never this. I had a situation, a friend of mine came over this past weekend uh, and he, he brought a couple people with him. And one of the, the individuals um, has had about, you know, with the law and has been in prison. And I asked, you know, certain questions and just to get a quick response from them, but every answer that she went to answer, her family injected with something very negative. And I could see her cringe every time. Yes, she's had a rough go at it, but I looked into her eyes and I saw so much more. And so don't worry about the outside noise. There is going to be that because you were that person. But when you introduce yourself, hi, I'm Annette. Hi, I'm April and I am who you are in that moment, in that very moment, not who you were. And you can't talk about who you're going to be. But today I am a podcaster and I'm happy. Today I am Dr. Greenwood and I'm supporting women. I'm an accomplished author as a result of what I've been through. Do not identify and recognize who you are or who you were at the forefront because you are a changed person and embrace that change. Greenwood, ask you a question about trees. Trees? About trees. I saw that you had did a Facebook Live a while back about trees and how they communicate with one another when one dies. It sends off a certain 
they send off a certain energy to rejuvenate themselves. I have always been fascinated with trees and I am a tree hugger. I do meditation sometime. I'm going to be heading up to the redwoods. I've always wanted to hug those trees. What was the fascination? Why did you do that? What did that mean to you? Because I'm such a big fan of nature. And when we had the lockdown here in the UK, people's mental health was going down and down because they weren't able to go out. So I was going out and doing my videos just to try and lift people's spirits and try and get them engaged in nature. And I was doing, a, I, I'm, I love trees. I'm a bit of a tree hugger myself like I you. And I just, there's so much power and they feel very spiritual. And to be stood near a great big oak tree, it kind of depicts about getting your roots in the ground, doesn't it? And you can, the tree will stand tall and no matter what's going on in its life, it bends and it twists with the wind. And so I was researching about, I think the word, I might be wrong here, but it was pheromones or something that the trees give off to each other to support each other. And I was like, yeah, and that's what we as human beings need to be doing with each other and taking in those pheromones that we can give to each other. So that was the fascination around that and how nature, if we live with nature, nature teaches us so much. If we don't mess with it. No, uh, if we don't mess with it, if we leave it be. If I have trees in my backyard. I go out, I kiss their leaves. I tell them, you know, hi, mom's here. <laughs> Here's a little fertilizer. Standing in. And literally you see them blossom. Yeah. So there's energy in every life source, be it a plant, be it a human being, be it the water, the fish, everything has a life source. So thank you for that, because I was fascinated. I wanted to be sure to cover that in the interview. My pleasure. In closing, Dr. Annette Greenwood, what would you like your legacy to be? My legacy, I would like my legacy to be that you can stand up, be counted, be true to yourself, and that everything that I teach women that they hold it in their hearts and take it into their life for however long they're on this planet and live by those live by those truths that are in themselves. Well, that is a beautiful legacy and I can see it. I can see it and I can feel it because I know it's sincere. Tell my brains how to get a copy of the book as well as how to contact you. Um, reach out, you know, I get all of these great guests. Take advantage of their offerings. Take advantage of their phone call. It costs you nothing. It's cost them everything. So you can get my book on Amazon under my name, Annette Greenwood. You can reach out to me and you can reach out to me. Uh, I have a website. And on that website, I'll give you the website name. That would help, wouldn't it, April? <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, AnnetteGreenwood.com. Within that website, there's um, a form they can fill in and they can contact me through that and that will bounce into my email. And I offer um, a complimentary session to find out more about how I can help people or point them in the right direction. I always do that first and foremost so they can find out about me and I can find out about them and where they are and whether I'm the right person to help. That assessment is so important because it's fact finding. And again, you can be anywhere in the world to understand the basic premise of getting help, uh, recognizing what the signs and symptoms are, going through the right channels, you know, who to look for, who's going to support you, who to stay away from, 
all of those things, you can contact uh, Dr. Greenwood from anywhere in the world. She's there primarily in the United Kingdom. Um, but again, you know, she is the queen in the kingdom of the world. Thank you so much for being here with me on the edge. Please come back, visit us again. Uh, and um, I hope to see this as a mini series. You know, what was that? The Orange is a New Black. This might be another uh, spinoff. So we hope that for you and your uh, your publication. Thank you so much, Dr. Greenwood. And thank you so much for having me. All right. Brains, go in and do your due diligence. Like, love, share, and subscribe. Like, love, share, and subscribe. Because that's how we keep it going. That's how we keep it fluid. That's how we show you love. Bye, Brains. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.